Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. Coming up, Gary Monk gets his winning start. We'll hear from him ahead of Fulham tomorrow. Sam Hutchinson is on media duty this week. Always a good listen. And we're after your stories on Alpinions this week. Uh, first up then, Dom. So, uh, Huddersfield last Sunday. We kind of said it was a weird game to call in advance this. It felt like first day of the season again. New managers... Didn't know kind of what the formation was going to be. Didn't know what the team was going to be. And um, there was kind of a surprise there, wasn't there, with lining up in a 4-4-2 with Reach playing. And I think there's been a little bit of uncertainty about exactly where he played. As I saw it, he played pretty much as an out-and-out striker. Yeah, I would go along with that. But uh, yeah, the uh, the Dom House and Derby went uh, as it <laughs> inevitably does these days, doesn't it? With a Sheffield Wednesday winning. And um, yeah, Huddersfield not scoring when they're at home against Wednesday. Now, I think it's since two, 2011, eight matches a long time. scoring against Wednesday at home. And um, really, I mean, that was the impressive thing, I think, for me, that defensively, Wednesday did restrict Huddersfield to very few sites at goal. And for Huddersfield had so much of the ball, but very rarely actually looked like hurting Wednesday. And I think Kieran Westwood's pulled off a couple of good stops from Terence Congolo uh, either side of half time but I, yeah I thought Wednesday they just looked very comfortable and it was a good professional solid away performance you, you can't you, no one's going to complain either about um a 2-0 win at Huddersfield, apart from me, because um, I have I have got, and I'm going to get this out of the way now, because there's a lot of positives that I want to talk about, but I just want to talk about uh, when the team sheet came out, I was nervous about that back four. I think quite a few people were as well. Yep. You, you know, you wouldn't be alone in thinking that. At half-time, Wednesday were ahead, but I still feared the worst, because I thought some of the defending in the first half just looked like look of a design if that makes sense it was like you know Huddersfield didn't score perhaps just because we got a little bit of the run of the green rather than because we defended you know stoutly in the first half I thought there were there were times where we looked quite messy at the back unorganized um and I mean ultimately it, it's super harsh actually after the fact that they they put in both put in good second half performances I offer Odebaggio they just worry me and I can't get away from it. I think they're both technically good footballers, but um, their decision-making, I, I can't think of a better way of phrasing it other than the fact that at times it's just unintelligent, their decision-making. And uh, that's kind of the only way that I can sort of describe it. So that my negative is the fact that um, you know, Huddersfield, an informed team would have punished us in the first half, I think. And uh, it was just, you know, Huddersfield are, are obviously still in a bit of a state that they that they didn't take advantage of it. Am I being harsh? No, I'd go along with that and agree. Right. And I actually uh, wasn't going to put a negative in, but uh, you've reminded me that there was one actually big one for me, uh, which um, it, it's a familiar one in terms of this season. When you look at the stats, when it comes to possession and ball retention, so I think Huddersfield had 62%. And now, as I said before, they didn't do that much with it half of the time. But I do think away from home, this is something that Wednesday have got to improve and hopefully will address in the long run under Gary Monk. That they, I don't know what it is. You know, Gary, yeah, Barry Bannon had a very good game on Sunday, was uh, man of the match, and I think few people would disagree with that. I still look at it and think in midfield at times, that's, that second half, it was really only when Sam Winnell went up front, moved Adam Reach to the right-hand side, that I actually thought Wednesday started to keep hold of the ball better. Uh, but I, I think to take the sting out of games when they go ahead, particularly away from Hillsborough, that's something that, yeah, is still very much a work in progress as far as I'm concerned. Um, we Honestly, we will get on to some positives in a minute. And then, yeah, there were plenty also, of positives. We don't want to, um, yeah, on the back of a win, we you know, it's sounding like we're you know, two grumpy old men here, but no, I think we're, it's, we're getting uh, the gripes out of the way early. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jacob Murphy, I thought, was the you know, the lesser effective of the of the players in in the Wednesday team. So you've well. just added another mode in. There I'm, saying, well. I'm just getting them out of the way now. I'm just saying that. Uh, yeah, the yeah, other thing as well much. is uh, is David Bates the second coming of Erbie Emanuelson? What do you think is going through his mind right now? He's got to be thinking, what have I got to do to get a game here? 
I understand why you're taking that view. I'm going to put the counter-argument of Gary Monk, I think very sensibly, having been in the job for just over a week, has gone, I don't want to make too many changes to the team. I want to keep the back four, uh, the changes to a, an absolute minimum. I, I, I take, you know, okay, Odebajo came in, but that was the only alteration. So I suppose... That's my point. If you put Bates in, then you would have changed half your back four. And when Wednesday are trying to go away from home, be solid and keep a clean sheet, that could be a lot of disruption there. Uh, so I, I think that's perhaps a reason why uh, Gary Monk weighed it up and thought, I'm going to go with Dominic Iorfa again at centre-half alongside Julian Berner. So... Um, and I offer grew into the game and got better, did, yeah. and I would expect him to keep his place now uh, against Fulham. So I think you have to give him his due. But yeah, it's a frustrating time for David Bates as he hasn't been given the opportunities. But then there are plenty of midweek matches coming up before the next international break, Everton and Hull. So I would like to think that David Bates, before the next international break, will get an opportunity. So he's got to just stay patient. Okay. Um, let's talk about the first goal. Um, well, in fact, we're going to, I'm going to have to touch on both goals here to, to kind of make this point. But um, two more goals from Wednesday that come from balls from the wing into the box after so long of us just not seeing very much of it. Uh, we've seen loads of it this season. Um, I, I thought the first goal was was just a great move. It came from Wednesday, um, really pressing the Huddersfield defence. Great ball into the box from Harris. Uh, perfect header from Stephen Fletcher. Um, just a, a, a br- the, the kind of bread and butter goal that teams should score that Wednesday haven't generally scored for the last few seasons. Absolutely, yeah. 16 pass move it was for the goal, and it was very easy for Kadeem Harris. Didn't have to, uh, you know, show a lot of skill on that side. So, yeah, literally old-fashioned wing play of we'll run to, run to the byline. I'm going to outpace the fullback, and he did. And by the way, I, I thought that you know he ran Florin Hadjunai ragged at times. Um, you know, he was always a threat. It was Kadeem Harris? It's hard right now to look beyond him as certainly in the first eight matches season he has been Wednesday's standout player and uh, I think before long I, I think championship defences they're going to have to seriously look at doubling up on him uh, to try and contain him as he is just an absolute menace if he gets in a one-on-one situation uh, we've seen it so many times already this season with the assists and the goals that he's contributed you know what a great signing he's uh, proven to be yeah and yes, what we've come to expect of Stephen Fletcher getting in between two centre-halves, uh, rising highest, nodding home inside the six-yard box, four goals and seven matches. He's in, he's probably in the best form of his Wednesday career, and I've probably said that before on this podcast <laughs> already this season. We've said it every week is, since we started. Yeah, and he, he, it's just great. You know, in the air, you know, he, he had the better of the Huddersfield centre-halves, particularly in the first half. Uh, they couldn't handle him. They didn't really know what to do with him with his physicality and... Uh, the way he held the ball up and uh, it, it's so important that Wednesday keep Stephen Fletcher fit. Yeah, absolutely. He he loved it, didn't he, on, on Sunday. You could tell that he was having a, a great time and he's thriving on having players like um, Harris who, you know, I, I kind of said that um, you know, I offer an Odebajo for me sometimes I worry about their kind of their footballing brain. Um, Kadeem Harris is, he's a clever player. His work, he, he uses... Everything that he's got about himself, he uses really well. He's he's just he he's, he just knows he makes the right decisions. Do you know um, what it is? I and he's th- also yeah. like he's got no fear. No, he, he isn't afraid to run at people, and that's great because so often you see players who are like that when they're younger, and as as they kind of get a little bit older, they kind of lose that fearlessness. They're just you know they'll they'll cut back rather than just running straight at someone. It's great to see a player like. Kadeem Harris that's that's not got that. He just thinks I'm I, he thinks he's gonna beat every player that he takes on. I think sometimes that fullbacks are underestimating him. They're looking at Kadeem Harris. Now he's quite a, a stocky figure, uh, but uh, maybe they think, oh, you know, he's not gonna be able to beat me for pace. But then the acceleration, the way that he can glide past players, uh, you know, it's a real joy to watch. And uh, yeah, you, you just want to see 
Jacob Murphy delivering a similar sort of output on the right hand side, but so far it's not happened for him. Well, let's let's kind of talk about let's talk about the right hand side. Let's talk about the effect when when Sam Winnell came on the pitch. Um, he's had, he's had a pretty torrid time, hasn't he, Sam Winnell? Uh, we know obviously he the last time he was really informed was at Derby. He had a great time there. Um, you know, he must have been praying that Gary Rowett got the. Wednesday job because they'd have known he'd have got his chance then. Um, he's been in and out of the Wednesday team since then. We've seen little flashes of maybe he's going to come into form and it's it's just not happened. He's not scored since I don't know when. You know, it's two been years ages, two Wednesday. years since he, since he scored for Wednesday. Um, he looked a different player when he came on. He looked whatever Gary Monk said or whatever happened, whether it's just the fresh start of a new manager coming in. He looked like he'd had a good think about it. You know, he's he's had a good look at himself this week and said right. I'm going to do this. If I get given a chance, I am going to take it. Uh, his work rate was just second to none, wasn't it? Um, and the goal was, there's a bit of luck because on another day that hits the post, comes back out, but it doesn't matter. You make your own luck when you're a striker. Uh, and we know that Sam Winnell is the kind of player, now he's got a goal, uh, his confidence levels will double because uh, he is, you know, he only cares about scoring goals. I and mean, that's the kind of player that he is. He's a goal scorer. Um, and so I wonder whether or not the ineffectiveness of Murphy, and I thought Reach was probably better playing in that right midfield role than he was playing in that more advanced role, um, is a front two of Fletcher and Winall now a serious possibility this season? For me, that would be the only change that I would make to the team that faces Fulham. Uh, and it, it looks a pretty sort of straightforward change, really, that you, you take Jacob Murphy out of the uh, the team, you put Adam Reach to the right, and you put Sam Winnell up front, who has never really been given um, a fair crack, crack of the whip. He's not been given a chance since recovering from that really serious knee injury. You know, I felt a bit sorry for Sam Winnell that he, he just has not had the opportunities to show, uh, whether it's Steve Bruce, um, even Lee Bourne at the beginning of this season, you know, what he's capable of. And uh, I think that's it's the sharpest he's looked. That half an hour at Huddersfield, it wasn't just the goal, the movement, uh, which I thought was brilliant. By the way, woeful defending from Huddersfield for both goals. Like, taking nothing away from the attacks by Wednesday. But, well, but well, for, for Kadeem Harris, to, just, to, to roll it back to Barry Bannon, who... Could have taken a touch for putting that cross in. It was it was shoddy. It really was. That, but on, the movement, that's, that's the a movement. Bit doom. Let's talk about the ball from Bannon. No, it was, it was sublime. Yeah, no, it was. It was glorious. But also the run from Winnell, uh, similar to Fletcher, in getting in between the two centre halves. Tommy Elphick completely lost him in the middle, yeah, and it was a great did. glancing header. And like you, I think that's going to do. Winner or power of good, and hopefully now we're going to see the best of him. And I would imagine that the the strikers will get rotated uh, over the next two or three matches. Uh, if Fletcher and Winner get the nod against Fulham, I don't see them both playing necessarily against Everton. The match after, you know, you've, they've got to think about the Middlesbrough away game a week on Saturday. The squad's going to get rotated. The forwards will get chances. Uh, but this is it, really, for Sam Winnell. I think, you know, he staked his claim and, and it has to be the beginning now for him. He's got to push on. He's another one who I think his contract is up next summer. So it's a big year for Sam yeah. Winnell. He's 28. And so you, you'd look at it and think that this would be when he should be entering his prime. And he's coming off the back of a very serious injury. Uh, and we haven't seen the best of him in a Wednesday shirt, but hopefully uh, he will now start to show everybody, you know, that you know he he can be a real value to this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so other things to uh, talk about. If 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 the mindset of David Bates right now is kind of difficult to to kind of consider how he's feeling. Uh, a penny for Jordan Rhodes' thoughts right now. Yeah. He wasn't even in the squad. Uh, you know, it's against Huddersfield. If if there's going to be a team that you know you think he's going to you think he's going to raise his game against, you think it's going to be Huddersfield. He was there for many years, got a lot of goals for them. Um, not even in the squad. Well, what I would say, I suppose, on that is uh, that I think Gary Monk would have looked at it and gone that he didn't want to put three strikers 
on the bench. But saying that, it's so it's very very damning that your club record signing uh, against, as you mentioned, one of his former clubs, that for him to not be in the eighteen, uh, yeah, it, you would. Some might say that the writing is on the wall. Feels like bit, it, doesn't it? With Jordan Rhodes, and with Sam Winnell now ending his Owls gold drought and Fletcher on fire, you know, just in, a, in great form, uh, then it's it's hard to see where chances are going to come, really, for Jordan Rhodes, unless there are some injuries. Um, Stephen Fletcher, first time he scored in three consecutive games since 2012, which I think is, uh, is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, there was a penalty shout, early second half. At the time, I thought, mm, no, I don't, I don't think it was. Watched it back and thought, mm, actually... Uh, mm, I, probably, it, probably should have oh, been. It was absolutely a stone wall. I couldn't believe it. Live, I'm thinking, uh, if that's anywhere outside the box, it's a free kick. Christopher Schindler made absolutely no attempt to get to the ball and has body checked Jake Murphy. You know, one of the best things that Murphy did in the game was that one two with Fletcher. And then. I, I don't think he would have got to the ball and I think that's maybe the view that the ref has taken and that's why he's not awarded the penalty but that was a shocking decision and it looks even worse on TV I couldn't believe Keith Andrew who I think is a really good pundit I couldn't believe when he was commentating didn't think that was a penalty <laughs> it was absolutely blatant for me I've seen a few other people said that they didn't think it was either and I kind of looked at it and thought for me yeah that's that's a that's a penalty it's got to be a penalty you're right, he's, he's, he's nowhere near the ball. No, oh, and, uh, and do you know what? This is it. Nobody even uh, post-match brought it up because Wednesday won the it game. But that could have been a crucial yeah. moment. At 1-0, two minutes into the second half, if, if Huddersfield go on to get a draw, win that game, then you know, Gary Monk rightly would have been up in arms over that decision. That would yeah. have cost his team. So, fortunately, we weren't talking about that afterwards. The final thing for me, really, then, is uh, well, is is the touchline, really. So Gary Monk's first game in uh, charge. Um, I was where I was in the away end. I was kind of in line with the the touchline. It was quite interesting, kind of watching. You know, two new managers, their first the first game. They couldn't have been much more different, really, in terms of the fact that you know Danny Cowley and his brother were out on the edge of the technical area, in fact, way past the edge of the technical area, um, you know, screaming, shouting instructions, arms waving all over the place for pretty much a full 90 minutes. Um, Gary Monk, very different kind of persona, seemed very cool, very calm, a uh, little bit quiet. Lee Bullen seemed to be kind of the enforcer. He was the one that was being the most vocal. Uh, but both of them just seemed quite quite calm all the way through the game and kind of let the players get on with uh, what they were what they were doing you can't read a lot into stuff like that but for Gary Monk's first game in charge it felt like firstly it felt like him and Bullen seemed to have already got a decent understanding there like they both knew what they were doing Bullen seems to understand what Gary Monk's wants and, and he's able to relay that to the to the players um, it kind of it seemed quite healthy I think it made sense for Gary Monk to take a step back um, having only worked with the players for a week or so uh, there are no grey areas. That's what we've sort of discovered very quickly about Gary Monk in that clarity is hugely important to him and uh, his management. He tries to make it very clear and um, precise to his players what their roles are in the team and what he expects from them. Uh, and I think that's a healthy position to be in. And, and so it might be that uh, over his time in charge that, Gary Monk perhaps will not be ranting and raving always, you know, on the touchline. And it won't be because he doesn't care. It's just that the instructions that he will have already laid out for his players, it's black and white. And, and so I, I think that um, he's, gonna, he's very thorough in his, and attention to detail is everything to Gary Monk. Uh, and I think we're going to learn more and more about him the longer, you know, that he is in the, the managerial hot seat. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that uh, you know Gary Monk, um, he's never worked with any of the, these players before, uh, so it's still all new to him, uh, which is why I think there were you know going to be times where him and 
and Lee Bowen would, yeah, almost take it in turns to sort of bark out orders from their technical area. Must be quite rare for a manager to go to a club and ha- having never worked with any of the players there before. It was quite interesting, mm. and uh, we'll we'll hear from Gary Monk in a minute. But he talked in his um, in his press stuff that he did yesterday. He talked about having played against Stephen Fletcher and played against some yeah. of the players. Strange having a manager that's that's still so young yeah. that he's you know he's probably you know come up against half that team at at, at some point. That's where you forget that he's forty. He's only forty, but in managerial terms. Uh, he is vastly experienced yeah. compared to uh, even Danny Cowley at Huddersfield, Scott Parker at Fulham, uh, and some of the other young up-and-coming British managers out there in the lower leagues in the Championship. You know, he's, this is his fifth club, and he's already managed 150, 200 plus matches. Uh, so yeah, you know, the, the, <laughs> he's a very experienced operator uh, you know, at this level. Uh, obviously, the Fulham game. We'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, but first, let's hear from the boss. Here's Gary Monk. If you're going to be successful this season, Gary, how vital is it that you turn Hillsborough into a fortress? Yeah, um, in this league especially. Um, it, yeah, it needs to be a place where teams find it a difficult place to visit. Mm. I think every team thinks like that. Every team wants to try and achieve that. We have to achieve that, you know. And as I said, the starting base of that is 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 the fan seeing a, a team that's committed to that shirt and, and committed on the pitch for every moment on that pitch. Whether it goes for you or not, they have to see that intention and that attitude. I think that's what fans demand. And then when you can get that feeling, and then, of course, results as well, um, that's when they support you through thick and thin. Do you know what I mean? No matter what. And, um, and yeah, of course, a big, passionate crowd like we have here, I've seen it. Do you know what I mean? I've been in an opposing dugout when that atmosphere is loud and it's noisy and it's ferocious and it's a difficult place to play and that's what we have to try and make it but we all have a responsibility for that myself my staff the players but also the fans you know and it can't just be a one does one thing and one does the other you know it can't just always be the players have to give this to that of course that's the demand but it's the tough times where the players might not quite be when they need to that the fans need to drag them through it and um, if we can get that they've all experienced it all the fans will be able to tell you when it's been at its best and they've dragged teams through and all the players will be able to tell you when they've been the best times they've had is when the, they feel the crowd dragging them through it as well and, and they're also given to them. So that's what we've got to try and aim for all of us. How much food for thought has uh, Sam Winnell's performance and goal given you going into this? Yeah, weekend? no, look, we were delighted for him and, um, and Sam's been great. Um, still a lot of work to do. You know, he's had a tough period with injuries and um, but the goal would do his confidence the world of good and but we have good options in, in those positions and there's you know, still some work I can see with a few of them in terms of getting them into tip-top condition. But um, I said it from the start, all of them are needed. They're going to contribute all of them this season and that's what they have to be ready for. And whichever team goes out there, it's to give their all and, and when you're supporting, you support it. And then when you're on the pitch, you, you're ready to go. So no, I was delighted for Sam and I was more delighted for the whole team and... Yeah, to start with three points and a clean sheet is, is always a good way to start. How much more do you think there is still to come from Stephen Fletcher? He's got four and seven now. From all of them. Stephen, Fletch, um, all the strike from all of them. I can see a lot more that's needed. As I said, we're still very early, but there's a lot more that's needed from all of them. And it's for me to help them understand what and then allow them as well with their ability and their quality to go and express that and... Um, as I said, you can't do that in a week and a half. You can put the basics there, which we're doing at the moment, the foundation of it, and then as time goes, you know, you'll see the better and the better of them. You know, so there's a lot of work to be done. I know you say that it's always about what you t- you do, your team, in terms of how you know you fo- you like to focus on the team your, and how your strengths. Um, but how tough is it going to be coming up against Cavaliero, Nokar and Mitrovic? And obviously they're a lot further down the way, the line of, of being together and a way of working and, and understanding, you know. But as I said, in this interim period here until we can get to a level of where I feel everyone's, you know, we've covered all the areas that we need to cover. I think we have to be competitive. That's the key, is to try and make us competitive. We're not going to be the, the finished product of what I want. But in the meantime, is to make sure we're in a way where we're really competing in the game and we can be in a position in the game to try and win the game or, or take points from the game. That's what we have to fight for now, which then gives you the longer 
the longer time to and then work in between. But it's a difficult league to do that in as well. You know, you look at this week, it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesdays. You know, it's, it's very difficult to get all the training across because you can't work so intensely with the players because you haven't got the time or the physical condition to do it. You know, so it's difficult. But then we've got another international break coming up. That'll be a big, big one to get another block of work of probably some new work that they haven't done. Um, as well as reaffirming what they have done, and then, but this is the life of the championship, you know. Yeah. But they've done, considering where we've only been in here a week, and you know what I've asked them to do, they've they've taken it on board very well. When do you think you'll be closer to what you want in the long term? In It'll take a while. Yeah, you know, there's no getting away from it. But I understand the, re, you know, the the demand. You have to work quick, and you have to try and get your team to that end goal of what they need to be as soon as you can. But you. Normally you have a, a pre-season period where the bulk of that work is done and then as you go into the season it's reaffirmed and, and brushed up and done throughout the season but obviously I don't have that luxury and I have to work in the meantime but I've been in that situation before and, and understand okay as much as we all want to get to the end point right now I need to that's what I'm trying to say is make sure that we're competitive in the meantime yeah. and we're doing enough of the right things in the meantime to be in games to win points and then that longer time that you have, you know, it becomes clearer and clearer and more work you can get into them and the more ideas come across and come out on the pitch. Week one, then you talked about there being no grey areas in terms of what you were trying to do. What have been the priorities in, in week two here at Sheffield Wednesday? I think the, this whole period, you know, it's still very early um, with the players. Um, I think the main focus is on trying to make sure that we're competitive, you know, that we compete strong in, in each game. Um, we did that very well on Sunday. We were, in terms of that mentality to compete, this is what that league demands. So, trying to do quite a bit of work on the mentality of knowing that we're going to have to compete. You know, you look at the week we've got now ahead of us. You know, it's a, it's a busy and, and difficult week playing against good teams. Um, but the key is to try and be competitive in each of those games. And then, of course, then on top of that is the work that we're doing, specific roles with and without the ball. And, and those improvements. I wanted to ask how you use a, a couple of players in particular. Adam Reach, in his time at Sheffield Wednesday, he's played at fullback, he's played in the field, he's played on the wing. You had him playing as a forward at the, the weekend. How, how do you best get the best from Adam Reach? No, I think when players are on the pitch, you know, they're, you know, they're there to perform whatever role you, you ask them to do. There's certain, you know, it's across all seasons for all managers, there'd be certain players, you know, sometimes you have to use them in a position that's maybe not their most accustomed to, but you put them in there knowing that they can do the job. You would never put a player there just for the sake of putting a player. You know what they can give and certain attributes that can help them in those positions. So that's what I felt for the game against Huddersfield. It won't be like that for every single game at all. Um, but knowing that we can use certain players in positions for certain moments in games or, or certain games from the start, and then um, that's what we look to do. That's an advantage if you, if you have that in your squad. You're coming up against the manager in Scott Parker who's just getting into this management game and, and I wonder if you could tell me about your memories from you know, going from player to manager at, at Swansea and maybe the challenges that Scott Parker will be experiencing right now. It's a shock to the system, without a doubt. Um, that sense of responsibility is, is tenfold on what a player feels. Um, and it's, yeah, it's difficult, you know, but I think Scott's... You can see it in him, you know, he's, he's, he was a top, top player um, and he's done his coaching and he's been behind the scenes there at Fulham coaching um, and he'll have his ideas himself, you know, and I think um, he has an incredible squad to pick from and, and to try and execute what he wants and I think you can see it, they're one of the strongest squads in the league, you know, I know they had a disappointment last season but they've managed to, you know, keep top quality players for this level in their squad so um, and they've added to it you know as well so um, I think he's done very well and um, yeah always good to speak to people like Scott after games and I'm sure I'll have a good chat with him and see how he's you know changed how he feels and how he feels about the management side of it and um, yeah it's interesting to know that I, you know I was there at one point when you first start and but um, yeah, it's definitely a change in everything. Like I said, the other side of it is the sacrifice that you make off the pitch that people don't see, the time with your family, you know, the things that you do with your kids and stuff like that has to be put on the back, the back burner and become secondary, which is, you know, it's hard. It's very, very difficult. But Scott, I'm sure, will be like myself. You know, you're driven, you have a, 
a name to go for and, and you try and give everything for it. So um, Gary Monk talking a lot about wanting to make Hillsborough into a bit of a fortress and, uh, you know, the importance of it. Uh, it is going to be a big test, isn't it? You know, it didn't really want to kind of be drawn too much on, on kind of whether it was the biggest test of the season or anything like that. But um, I, it is going to be a, a very different sort of game to last week. Probably a different game to any that Wednesday have played this season because with all due respect to the teams that Wednesday have played, Fulham is the first one that are, are genuine, you know, expected to be battling for the top two. What I said before about how disappointed with Wednesday at times this season in keeping the ball. Uh, well, that sort of goes out of the window for this weekend <laughs> because Fulham are brilliant on the ball and a very um, attractive in terms of the way they play and the way they set out, they are going to dominate possession. Make no mistake about that. They will probably have 60-odd percent at Hillsborough. And so Wednesday may actually play very similar to the way that they did at Huddersfield, uh, a little bit on the counter-attack, try and soak up the pressure uh, that form a throw at them. But they have just got so many uh, top players at yeah. this level from Tom Kearney uh, I know Harry Art is getting on a little bit but I know he's still very useful at this level and their front three it's frightening uh, I, I think it's the best forward line in the league Mitrovic Cavaliero and Anthony Knockhart you know a couple of players who Wednesday over the years have had some very good battles with uh, Mitrovic I think scored the last time for one played at Hillsborough the winner so they know him very well you know so they're going to get a, a yeah. big physical test up front and then the pace and the trickery that they've got in the wide areas if Wednesday aren't on their game yeah Fulham will really punish them Anthony Knockhart is a player that I think of quite fondly but that's because he reminds me of that first 25 30 minutes of the second leg of the playoff semi down at Brighton where he just absolutely ran circles around as he you know he, I think he hit the post about three times he hit the bar once uh he missed a couple of like gilt edged chances and it was probably the worst 25 minutes I've ever experienced at a football match but when you look back on it and watching the highlights back and you just think that was just Glorious, just chance after chance after chance, and he was involved in everything. So he, he, I have quite fond memories of him for kind of strange reasons. He just reminds me of that game. Well, he gained revenge the following year when he scored we'll twice. Not talk about that. Uh, we'll not talk about that. That that was that was uh, the opposite experience. That was a terrible. Did we have two players sent off in that as well? Yes, yeah, Sam Hutchinson and Fletcher. Yeah, yeah. and it yeah. was uh, yeah, it was a Friday night game. Oh, it was yeah, that wasn't that wasn't good. Um, so yeah, definitely a big test. Um, how? you've kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, it, it's unlikely that Gary Monk's going to particularly try anything new out here, isn't it? I, I, I wouldn't... I'd be surprised if he did, but you're right, he could do. Unlikely I, I, to be an attack I, I, rather than anything. What you're going to be worried about if you're Gary Monk is uh, them having so much of the ball and them dominating proceedings and getting potentially overrun in midfield. You know, for them, usually line up and play 4-3-3. So if Wednesday set up in the same formation as they did against Huddersfield, 4-4-2, Sam Hutchinson and Barry Bannon against Harrison Reid, Harry Arter and uh, Tom Kearney, uh, then, yeah, you know, you worry about that department. So it wouldn't totally surprise me if Gary Monk actually went we could match them up here. And Wednesday played 4-3-3 a lot this season and the options they've got there in Kieran Lee and Massimo Luongo aren't bad at all. And then it wouldn't be a case of Sam Winnell wouldn't start up front. It would be Fletcher, Harris and you'd imagine Reach on the right. Uh, but I, I think my impression at the moment of Wednesday and the way that Monk wants to go about things is that he wants to keep things as simple as possible yeah. and so he I think he'd be reluctant to make massive you know personnel changes and tweet the formation especially on the back of a win so to me I think they will go out 4-4-2 and so it, at the end of the day it doesn't come down to formations how many times you hear it from managers saying and they are right it's about the players producing and delivering on the day in however they line up and that will be the key they're going to have to perform I think it's the toughest it's the hardest and toughest match that Wednesday have had this season so they're going to have to perform 
I think, and raise the game from how they play against Huddersfield, for me to win, they're going to have to get 20 to 30% probably more out of the, uh, of the that starting eleven than what they produced at Huddersfield to win. I think you're right in terms of the fact that um, it's it's not about formations, but I think the players in those formations is significant. So um, I think you know a player like Adam Reach we know is he's versatile. If 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 it's apparent, you know, if we go four three three, and it's apparent that it's not the right call. Uh, we know that, I mean, Adam Reach. I think there's probably only centre-half that he's not played in this team, uh, and goalkeeper. Um, he's literally played everywhere else. We know that we can change things with Adam Reach. Um, we know uh, even players like Sam Hutchinson we can change things with. But um, that it just that's, that would be the only thing that would make me think, I wonder whether or not he'll try and take Murphy out because Murphy plays a role and he doesn't have that versatility. You can't drop Jacob Murphy to play a central midfield role you can do it probably wouldn't work you can do that with Adam Reach you've, you've got that opportunity and, and it actually you know fo- football formations are kind of nonsense aren't they because it's it's fluid anyway the thing with Reach is he's got that intelligence we know he's got that work rate that if he needs to drop into midfield to, to stop a counter-attack or whatever it might be he'll he'll do that um so I I, I can see Reach on the on the right on on Saturday on Reach uh, as a side note you could see on Sunday the frustration in him that he's desperate to score. He came close and, again, didn't and he? And he had the chances in the second half that, for a man of his quality, he'd be disappointed that he didn't take that. You know, take one, especially when I think Winnell squared it to him on the edge of the box. He was completely unmarked. So if he'd actually found the corner, that would have been a goal. And it, you know, it has been a long time. I think, as I said the other week, you know, I think since February, the last time Adam Reach scored. So it will be playing on his mind. So it it would be great for Wednesday and for Adam Reach. You know, the, the sooner he gets back on the, the score sheet, the better. A 40-yarder tomorrow wouldn't, wouldn't go amiss, would it? Uh, would you well, I'm, I'm sure he'd be quite happy if one went in off his backside as well. We'll, but, take, yeah, that we'll take either of them. We'll take we? that too. Um, so, yeah, defensively, from from what was, uh, what was said earlier this week from Gary Monk, Likely that Tom Lees is still going to be out. I don't think, no. Tom Lees, I don't think he's going to be ready for Saturday. And to be honest with you, it wouldn't totally shock me if we don't see you know, Tom Lees in the next few matches. Right. Grade one hamstring injury, break possibly. Break quite possibly, yeah. You know, Let's not it, rush him back. Because well, uh, we've done this, we've yeah, made this mistake, yeah. haven't we? Yeah, I agree. No, we've how many times have we seen it over the last few years where there's been at least I can think of two occasions where Tom Lee's has perhaps been rushed back too soon and he's broken down and we don't want that to happen this time. He's too important a player, he's the captain. Wednesday've got to be very careful with him. I still worry you know, about this leadership thing. I know we touched on it earlier, we've talked about it before. Uh when Tom Lee's isn't isn't there. And I don't think that Tom Lee's is like one of the more you know, leadership captains that you see in a team. But um, Barry Bannon as captain and just the players in that in that team. Um, well, you got I, your I wish, sh- didn't you? you? You want Barry Bannon as your captain. Am I right? Thank well, you. I don't know, I, I, well, I, I actually, uh, I'm an advocate for Adam Reach being captain because I, I just think he's he's the one that does take that role of stepping up when he needs to. And um, he's he's got uh, a real... I've got a bit of a beam about it at the moment about like football intelligence, like watching players and spotting the ones that have kind of got that football brain. Adam Reach has got a great football brain. He's a real like, you know, he really thinks about games and really thinks about what he's doing and stuff. Um, so I, I think, I mean, I, I look back on that season where the, that second half of the season when we had all the injuries in the um, the the one where Josla Hukai came in halfway through the season uh, and Reach yeah. just single-handedly carried the football club because there was very little coming from the dugout in terms of leadership. Adam Reach single-handedly carried us through the second half of that season. He really stepped up that in that season. period. I remember um, he was captain. It, I think he got the armband at Bristol City when they lost 4-0 and there was a point where I think after the third goal went in, I remember him berating his teammates um, as you would when you know, you've conceded a third and I think it wasn't even half time there but uh, it was just a sign anyway I thought um, from him even that day of he's trying to take responsibility and I I agree with you I still think there is uh, plenty of room for I think we've seen Julian Berner 
definitely is someone who have, is have, vocal and is stepping up to the plate. On have, that. have we moved to Burner from Borna now? Uh, I heard the commentator the other day say Julian Burner. So uh, everyone seems to have gone to, to Burner. I, I think I said in an interview the other day to someone at Julian Borna, Borna's much more uh, easier to say, but I think it, I'm going to go with Burner from now right, on. Okay, no, that's fine. That's oh, an official Singing the Blues yeah, decision. Yeah. I'll note down the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there we go. So it is now Julian Burner. Julian All right. Burner. On we go. Um, uh, so, but yeah, I think he's definitely one there who, for me, as his English is improving and the longer he's here, and uh, you know, he was another one again, where he just barely put a foot wrong on Sunday. You know, he really, you know, like Lee Bourne, I was talking to him last week, and he just was saying that you know, he's an absolute breath of fresh air. The, you know, his personality, the way he conducts himself, he just smiles all the time. You know, he's a great player to have in the trenches particularly when things aren't going well uh, and you know what a great addition he's been what a find so you know we've got to thank Steve Bruce for that one yeah very much so very much so uh, lest we forget as well the small matter of Everton on Tuesday in fact we've got a couple of weeks where it's Saturday Tuesday Saturday yes, Tuesday now, relentless uh, we're not going to talk about the Everton game because we're going to be back early next week Woo-hoo. to do uh, a separate uh, sort of mini episode on uh, on that one so we'll talk about that and why I think the League Cup is an absolute waste of time uh, we'll cover all that uh, next week for now let's hand over to uh, Sam Hutchinson who tells us about how things are going under the new manager it's been really good I think obviously you see um, how organised we were against Huddersfield uh, the defensive shape we've worked a lot on that and um, it's been good how good has it been to have a, you know an experienced man from the you know with lots of championship experience coming in and clearly knows you guys if not inside out he knows something of each of you already yeah I think he's obviously seen us play he knows who we are uh, he knows everyone as a squad that's the first thing he came in and said so it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. <laughs> Either he likes or he doesn't. But um, he's come in, he wanted to impl- implement his philosophy, um, his plans for us. And I think we're all working under, we're doing really well with it at the moment. If you had to sum up that philosophy, then what would you essentially say the, the Sheffield Wednesday identity will be as it goes forward? To work as hard as possible and be, be aggressive in everything we do, as we should have been. It's a no-brainer, really. Everyone should be that as a football team or in, in sports, if you want to get anywhere. He came in saying in the first week he was trying to establish kind of no grey areas and everyone knew kind of what their role would be. What's he sort of said to you about what he wants specifically from you in your role? Uh, well, it's different things. Different things, obviously. I'm not going to say everything because obviously they're going to know what I want to, what we're going to do. But um, no, just to be aggressive, to try and get on the ball, to try and play and... Um, Work, work with the other midfielder. I think it's not specific. I think it's uh, positionally that everyone knows what they're doing. So if anyone comes in or if anyone goes out, everyone knows their roles in, in the team and he's made that quite clear. So it seems it's more going to be more of a two rather than a, than a three in, in midfield. Is that going forward? Does that seem like the way it's going to go? Well, I don't know. We played two, we played two on um, against uh, Huddersfield, but it probably depends on who we play, I would, I would think. But look, I'm not the manager. I, I just try and get out there. To be fair, if I was a manager after the two training sessions I've just had, I wouldn't play. So, <laughs> but <laughs> what can you do? Oh, terrible! The worst ever. But such is life. Well, uh, yeah. Um, as a squad, what's it like then? The way that it's happened over the last couple of weeks to have you know maybe that settled sense of direction, I guess you know from from the start of the season, not quite knowing where things are going to go to now. You've now got a clear sense of of what you need to be doing. Well, yeah, I think that was the problem, really. No one ever knew what the thing was with Bully. Like, if they give him the job, then great, then we go we go under that. But there was always that thing, and it was always something in the media. And regardless of people say, oh, they don't, they don't take any notice of that, it's difficult for players because we're... It's hard. Um, we've got... It's, the decision's been made now, either way, so we get on with it and obviously we're happy that the gaffer's come in and we're, we're trying to implement what he's, what he's teaching us on the, on the training pitch. How much discussion takes place about this sort of thing then, you know, when it's up in the, up in the air and no one really knows what's going on? Truthfully, because everyone says, everyone says no, we don't speak about it. Of course you're going to speak about it. We speak about it like everyone else. We're just normal people that just speak about what's going on. We're not going to be blind to it and that fact but we still got on with our jobs and um, I think we still we still played really well under Bully uh, obviously certain games we didn't <laughs> but um, that was nothing to do with Bully it was probably more to do with us so um, obviously Bully's a massive part of this club 
in, in terms of setting standards after the win at Huddersfield, I asked Gary Monk, you know, what he wanted to improve from the performance, and he said pretty much everything. Is that what it's been this week? You know, in terms well, yeah. of priorities that have been set. Yeah, because we've only worked under him a week, so you can't change it in one week. It's a, it's a long process. If we were here all pre-season and we worked under these stipulations and what he wanted us to do, then we'd be a lot better at what we what we're doing. So. It's only been a week, it's only the start of it. Um, win or lose against Huddersfield, it didn't mean it was going to go bad or anything, it's one game, but it's a great start to have and a great foundation. Yeah, and, and how much confidence does that give you, you know, in, in the, the processes that are already underway, the fact that you've got that first three points already? I think it helps, it helps you buy into the fact that you're winning games and everyone's happy in the thingy. Obviously, we're not too far off points-wise, where realistically you're looking at at the beginning of the season. We're, we're always slow starters for some reason, but we had a great pre-season this season. Um, we're really fit and uh, we're raring to go, so fingers crossed. I appreciate the last two training sessions haven't gone pretty well. but uh, Awful. No, not the, pretty well. Awful, I can say that. Awful. Uh, well, leaving those two aside, yeah. how do you feel about your own start to the season? Well, it's probably been the best because I've played every minute. I haven't missed a training session. Probably hence why I'm a little bit, I was a little bit stiff the last two days, but... Um, no, I'm happy. I'm happy with how I'm, what I'm doing, how I'm playing. I'm probably as fit as I've been. My distances I'm covering. Um, there's always stuff you can improve on. But look, my career is up and down, and it always has been. But I feel good in my body. I feel good in my mind. So I'm happy. And in, in terms of the lessons you've taken then over the last few years, I mean, how much of that is now driving you on in this season? I literally just take every day as it comes. Like. Before, I wouldn't even probably come into the room after the two training sessions I've had because I'd have just been devastated about it. But you have off days. Everyone has a bad day at work. And at the end of the day, this is my job. So um, I look to go out there on a Saturday. And as long as I perform and I'm in the team, then I'm happy. But when we last spoke, you'd scored, you'd got an assist and you'd been pointing in the away end to trying to find yeah. your lad. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. You know, as, a, as a footballer, what's it like when your kids start to clock what it is you do for a living? Yeah, well, the only reason I come back out of retirement was for when I had hopefully a little boy. I've got two boys. I'm lucky I've got a little girl. That was the only reason I come out of retirement to prove that hard work. You can do anything you want because no one ever said I'd have a career in football. So um, after my injury, so that was the reason I did it, and that's the reason I went mental, and I will continue to do if I ever score again, which I probably got my one this season, so I'm happy. <laughs> so you're not going to be bombing on then. So. No, I don't think it's my role to now. So, <laughs> but um, no, like obviously, my it was it was my birthday. I was down south. That was literally 15 minutes from where I grew up. So there was people from school there. There was there was pe- all the people that ever doubted me. Most of them would have been there, like around where I live. So it was just a good moment. Fulham then next. What do you make of of them and their starts of the season and, and the challenge that you'll face on Saturday? The thing is, they're obviously one of the best teams, if not the best team in the championship. That I think possession-wise and how they play, they do it the best in the championship. Um, they've got great players. Um, we'll go out there, no fear. Um, we'll try and implement our style and, and what we do. There aren't uh, many players who would turn up to the press conference and say how absolutely terrible they've been in training. I know, it's great. It's terrible. <laughs> and then he, he later, I think, said awful. He described him at his uh, yeah. two sessions like, like this clarified. week. No, not just bad. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah, yeah. awful. I just, oh, yeah, Sam Hutchinson's honesty. He is, uh, you know, I just wish every footballer was like that. Yeah. Um, just, you know, shoot straight from the hip, just says yeah. things as they are. And, uh, I, yeah, I think it's down to everything he's gone through in his career and and that's why you know he doesn't hold back and no he's he's brilliant I've got to say every time we know that it's Sam Hutchinson that's been put up for press there's a little part of me that's delighted (laughs) as you know that you're going to get something great from him and he was on superb form and uh, yeah I mean something else just to say about Sam Hutchinson is that I asked him about his future because his contract's up next summer of course he's one of quite a few I think you've got Sam Winnell Stephen Fletcher so it's a big year for uh, a lot of um, Wednesday's uh, players, but yeah, you know Sam Hutchinson sort of reiterating that he'd love to stay, and that uh, you know he said before that you know he, he just sees uh, you know himself in an ideal world ending his career at Wednesday. You know he loves the club, he's settled here, he's got three kids who are all in school, and you know he lives in Sheffield, and you know he he just 
loves Sheffield Wednesday and his family are football mad and uh, yeah and I think you know he started every championship match so far this season yep. so, you know he's only the only game he's not taking part in was the Rotherham Cup tie uh, so I think this year I did the maths actually he's played already this year started nearly 30 matches so it's the best of his career in terms of um you know, I think he was saying distances he's covered, but matches he's getting through. Yellow cards are starting to creep back into it, so we know that it's right, we'll his peak that. Sam Hutchinson. If the first game Sam Hutchinson misses this season is for um, the tossing up of yellow cards rather than injury, yeah. I'll be happy. I think everybody would be. Yeah. be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, great to hear um, Sam Hutchinson talk. Um, not a lot else for us to talk about this week. All kind of quiet within the uh, the the ranks. The only thing that that I've noticed is a uh, new contract for Alex Hunt, um, who interestingly, kind of what just over a year ago, um, he played a bit of a bit of the Sunderland away game in the League Cup just over a year yeah, ago. Did. And I think that's pretty much it. I think he's been on the bench a couple of times since then, but not really got kind of got anywhere near the uh, the first team. Um, we don't hand out contracts left, right and centre anymore to um, to younger players. So when, uh, when someone does get a contract, it means that, you know, they must be making pretty good progress. Um, this, for me, is significant because... Talked about this very briefly last week. We have, you know, by, by some distance, the oldest team in this in this league. Uh, we are still the only team that's had you know zero minutes from anyone under the age of twenty three played through the entire season. Which is um, th- there's a huge it's an incredible gap start. Next, several hundred for the for the next team, uh, and several thousand for the team at top, which I think is Barnsley. Uh, so there's there's a gap we've got to fill there, and Gary Monk will be aware of this it's not gonna to be top of his list right now because we've got to win football matches but he'll be acutely aware of that won't he because he is yeah. big into bringing through his younger players uh he he's very much about you know we've seen it before he's about you know young he likes having a young youthful team uh and what he's got at the moment is 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 you know, probably the opposite end of of the scale to that so uh good to see a young player doing well it is and alex hunt i think he's 19 I'd say I've forgotten actually that he'd come off the bench at, at Sunderland. I mean that's that seems a long time ago now, doesn't oh, it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've seen quite a bit of him for the under twenty threes, and you know he's the captain too, the under twenty threes, and he's a similar sort of build to Barry Bannon, but he, he loves to sort of collect the ball from deep, and then his passing's very good. Uh, I think as he gets older, he gets stronger, hopefully sort of physically fill out, get bigger. Uh, And I think actually he's one of those who, the under-23s, he's reaching that point where for in terms of his footballing development, maybe in January they'll look at perhaps trying to get him out on loan uh, and to get him games. And maybe, I think, Jordan Fornley, who also played on Monday, uh, and and actually he looked very, very solid, did little wrong. Uh, against Cardiff, uh, despite Wednesday conceding three goals, I thought Jordan Fornley actually had a very steady game. He's another who I think that Wednesday may look at, at uh, trying to get on loan in, in January if he's getting nowhere near that first-team picture. Because right now, of course, his pathway is even further blocked by, it would seem, that Dominic Ioff right now is classed as a centre-half and not as a full-back. So, in fact, Jordan Fornley has gone from being fourth in the pecking order down to fifth. So it, it, it's hard to see Jordan Thornley getting too you know, much of a look in right now, which is a real shame, as I do think he's got a lot of ability. It is a shame. I've got a lot of time for Judd. Uh, I think he he, uh, he was one of the few kind of shining lights in that period that we talked about earlier where everyone was injured and everything was going wrong. Uh, he came into the team unexpectedly and... Um, he didn't really do a. I don't remember him really doing a lot, a lot wrong. I don't remember him having any like really bad games. And he's actually someone that that I've I've I've, I've watched at games quite closely before. And uh, he's got real leadership qualities about him. He will scream and shout at, at, at that you know everyone on that pitch. Doesn't matter how senior they are to him. He's he's not afraid to be uh, to be vocal. So uh, uh, the good thing there is, I think he's got big things ahead of him uh, as John. Well, yeah, Wednesday they've got a few players out on loan as we know. You know Connor Kirby, Jack Stobbs. 
Uh, I think there's another well, player as well. Oh, Matt Penny, of course. Matt Penny, who yeah. uh, made a... It was, it was kind of a cameo. He came on for about half an hour of the Hamburg derby on uh, Monday, which is a real cauldron. Anyone that watched that game will have seen, you know, at half-time, it looked like the stadium was on fire. Um, you know, it is a, a ferocious game, that. And uh, he was actually unlucky not to score and uh, looked quite effective. Good. In, in, what in position did he play? Well, he, 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 I think he played fullback, but um, he wasn't afraid to get forward. Um, he probably spent more time, to be fair, in the HSV box than in the St. Pauli box. But I think that was the nature of the last twenty minutes of that that game. Finished two 0 should have been about five 0 to be um, to be fair. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's um, you know he's another player that's obviously out getting getting some experience and getting experience in that league in Germany is not is not bad experience. It's done all right for Julian Berner, hasn't it? Yeah. Exactly. I, I you know what going back to Fulner, I think that's the the difficult bit for him is that uh I think you know, if if he's gonna play for Wednesday, it would be on that left hand side, uh left centre back in the position that Julian Berner is in. Uh so you can't drop Julian Berner as one of the first names on the team sheet. And uh, so if, if you're wanting the balance at centre-half, then you're going to go for the right footer and left footer. And I think that's how Gary Monk will want to proceed moving forward as well. So it, it's, yeah, it's a tricky one right now. It's, a, it's not an easy time, actually, for Jordan Fornley because at his age, he needs to be playing uh, regular football. You know, he's already made, I think, nearly uh, 50 appearances or so in his career from an Accrington loan spell and then 30-odd for Wednesday. Uh, so, yeah, I think he'd be one that they will seriously be considering trying to get him out on loan in the second half of the season. Right, on to our opinions. Uh, last week then, so five games before the next international break. We've had one of them. Uh, so Huddersfield away, obviously, three points there. Uh, Fulham at home, Middlesbrough away, uh, Hull away, Wigan at home. Um, so altogether 15 points. And we asked how many would be uh, a good return. from. How Mills. many did you say again, James? I said 10. 10? Yeah, uh, you thought eight. If I, and, and I was being very conservative with that. Uh, uh, the, the responses on Twitter ranged uh, from six all the way to 15, of course. A couple of people said uh, 15. Um, I started doing the calculations and then realized there's a reason that I dropped maths after GCSE. So I gave up uh, and I used a high-tech system to work out that nine was the average response. Uh, that high-tech system being just scrolling through the replies uh, a couple of people to mention Sharpie says happy with eight especially if unbeaten I quite like this take so two wins three draws probably wouldn't be a bad way of um, mm. of, of looking at it uh, Matt Johnson says good return will be 12 realistic will be seven to nine uh, it's going to take a while for things to bed in under Gary Monk I guess whenever you get a win in that first game we all kind of get a little bit carried away, don't we? Yeah, I hope that tomorrow is not the one that brings us crashing back down. We're to, used uh, to that as well, actually. If you look over the last few years with Wednesday managers, more often than not, they have does, had yeah. positive results in that first match. And then, yeah, and then, then, and it, then, then you it, might get a little bit. Well, bit. That, sorry, the other point I want to mention that, that they touched on there in, in that tweet is that that's the incredible thing still for Wednesday is that they still haven't drawn a game yet this know, season. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, two wins and three draws. Yeah, right now no draws at the minute. So mm -hmm. uh, Jim says he hopes for nine, but he'd settle for seven. And Andrew just says any more than eight would be good. Uh, that's just a selection of the uh, the tweets that we got. Thank you very much if you got involved with our opinions. Uh, last week this week something completely different so Sam Hutchinson was on press duty this week and it reminded me so my friend Dean hi Dean um, Dean bumped into Sam Hutchinson on the beach when he was on holiday this summer and they sat and had a beer and had a right good chinwag about Wednesday um, so what I want to know is uh, where have you bumped into a Wednesday player? Obviously, you know, Hillsborough doesn't count, not at the ground. Like, what an expected place have you bumped into a Wednesday player? Doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be present, it can be passed at any anything at all. So um I once got Carlton Palmer's autograph in the queue at KFC in the mid nineties. Good work. Uh, I had a drunken chat with Giles Kirk in a bar on Ecclesall Road. It was me that was drunk. He wasn't. Uh, and I saw uh, Yosla Hukai in Bill's restaurant in St. Paul's Square uh, before we realised that he was a bit of a prat. So uh, I was quite pleased to see Yosla Hukai uh, way back uh, way back then. So they're my three. Have you got any? I've got a couple, yeah. Um, from past, I have bumped into and seen uh, David Hurst uh, in 
Sainsbury's supermarket. Um, you're going to quickly uh, realise that actually uh, all mine are at supermarkets. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, in present earlier on this year, um, Lee Bowen on Ecclesall Road uh, oh, at I've, Tesco's. I've seen uh, Lee Bowen in Nonners a couple of times. I think that's one of his favourite haunts, that for uh, a bit of... Uh, oh, I have actually, yeah. Carlos Carvalho was another one. That was, of Nonners was very much one of his favourite um, places to go. So, yeah, I've also bumped into Carlos uh, there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let us know if you've ever bumped into a Wednesday player in somewhere unexpectedly. Uh, use the hashtag Alpinions on Twitter. You can catch Dom at Domhausen. I'm at James Marriott, and you can contact the show at Dom and James. Big thank you as ever to our lovely gold sponsor, Taito Law, who you can find at titolaw.co.uk. That's just about it. Thank you for joining us as ever. Let us have your feedback on the show. We appreciate your reviews, and please subscribe to us for free in your podcast app of choice to make sure that you get the new episode every week of course bonus episode coming early next week as well uh, check the show notes as well for how you can become details of a singing the blues supporter and uh, i'll just give you a hint that there may well be very good reason as to why you're going to want to be a singing the blues supporter in the next few weeks can't say any more than that up the owls and um see you probably next monday 